0: Greg McMichael, uh the weather is starting to warm up a little bit outside, I noticed walking over here to SunTrust Park to the Braves alumni lounge today. Uh it's it's maybe in um in conjunction with Ronald Acuña's bat down in spring training, which is definitely on fire right now. So sure. all of this means that uh the baseball season is nearing. We're but what? About 2 weeks away as we're sitting here. We're recording this today, we are actually 2 weeks away from opening day as we sit here today. So right around the corner and we uh, this is obviously somebody we've wanted to have on behind the Braves for since, since we started. Uh, Derek Schiller, Braves president and CEO, pretty fascinating background, family history is is what his dad. He talks at length about that. Uh, it's pretty amazing the things that he's accomplished, uh, that his dad has accomplished. Um, his his state of the Braves, if you will, and how confident he is about where we are as a franchise, organization, team on the field and off the field. Uh, what well, and you know you're probably work with him much more than I have being in the front office so just talk I mean, your relationship with Derek and uh and
1: and how that's been throughout the years yeah it's been uh great getting to know Derek we uh when I first started with the Braves in as a player he wasn't here but but as when I came back on board in 2010 you know he was here uh, running the sales and marketing side and and um, so I got to know him a little bit each year. I worked mainly with with Mike Plant, his kind of his counterpart. But but getting to know Derek, one thing I've seen, and we we get into a little bit about this, but really the Braves have been very innovative in how they've approached the business side. You know, we talk a lot about a lot about analytics on the baseball side, but we are heavily heavily into analytics on the business side. And so that that is something that's really been fascinating to me being a part of the organization to see how we go about our business and, and run it uh, just as first class as we do the baseball side. So it's been, it's been a lot of, uh, lot of fun for me to get to see that as a former player and and just experiencing something new it's really helped me and helped me to grow um as a businessman and understanding the organization but it's really really you'll get to hear a little bit about that and and Derek has done a great job leading us
0: I'm always fascinated by you know I I was up in New York uh, at the commissioner's office for uh, a conference social media conference a couple months ago and and I I won't I'd you know, no need to give names here or anything, but a pretty a person that's pretty high up, uh, I mean, in all of Major League Baseball, came in and talked to a couple hundred of us in this conference room, and he talked for about 45 minutes, and I was sitting there listening, fascinated by him, because there was no notes, no nothing, he just, off the top of his head, was going and telling us our, you know, our goals, what we've accomplished, where we need to be going, things we need to be mindful of, and I'm fascinated by people that are in, in high leadership positions like that, and how... How they're just how they talk and how they deliver you know their message. and Derek is exactly like that in that I'm fascinated by he's somebody he not only it's not that he knows how to talk, but he's giving you very thoughtful thoughtful answers and, and thoughtful words. and his, the way he delivers his message to me is is really, really fascinating. I, I just I love being around those types of people because I, I feel like I learned something uh, and Derek is certainly one of those people. I mean, he's president and CEO uh to just to have a conversation with them for thirty, forty
1: minutes is uh it's it's a it was a good lesson for me and I, I certainly enjoyed it. Yeah, it's great for us to be able to have there again, our show behind the Braves is something that we want to be able to showcase what the Braves organization is like. We want to have players on the field, you know, we want them to stop by. We also want to understand how the organization is is run and then the people that make up the 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 brave so this is another great example of the fans getting to be getting to hear you know from Derek exactly what's going on in his mind and and uh, where we're going as an organization so this is great for us to treat I mean we get to sit here and talk and ask questions and hopefully uh, we don't step over the line where we get a pink slip in the next in the in the morning <laughs> that's right yeah that was the
0: main goal is uh, let's not get fired first of all but no I, and I think and you and you're gonna hear you know I think we we asked, wanted to know a lot about his background and how he got here, and the current state of things. But uh, you know, he was there wasn't any there weren't any questions that, as you're going to hear, that were off the table for this. You know, he was he was willing to talk about whatever. So, without further ado, we'll stop rambling. We'll let you hear from him. Here he is, Braves President and CEO Derek Schiller.
1: Well, Derek, uh, thanks
2: for joining Behind the Braves here in the Alumni Lounge. Oh, thanks for having me here yeah. in the Alumni Lounge. So it's a fun place to be, you know, hanging out with an alumni. Well, thanks for uh,
1: supporting Tennessee, wearing your tie. I don't know about that. Yeah. well, you These know are we,
2: SunTrust cl- colors. I'm supporting <laughs> we are SunTrust. Play,
1: we are playing at Vanderbilt this weekend, SEC tournament. I do know
2: that. Go Vols, right?
1: Yeah. No. We're, no? No, yeah, are you like diehard like Dansby's diehard? I don't care what it is, Tennessee. I just I will not listen so, to rock. So I'm a
2: Vanderbilt fan, but like any Vanderbilt fan, we struggle. We struggle with being fans because we've had such a, a big challenge, right? I mean, especially in in the world of football. Basketball's been a little bit different. We've had some successes, done pretty well in the tournament from time to time. Um, football, you know, we've got a good program. We um, we we, you know, I like our coach. I like where we are. Ironically, um, my wife went to Penn State, and so our old coach, James Franklin, went from Vanderbilt up, right. to ten, up to uh, uh, Penn State. So I've been able to follow him, and, and uh, he's good actually coach. good friends with Dansby Swanson. Oh wow! Dansby's been up there for a game, um, been on the sidelines, so uh, kind of fun to follow that and yeah. keep that in the family, as you will. Well, you might not know this, but I was accepted into Vanderbilt. You know, I knew that there, there was a problem with our admissions <laughs> process and, and actually I've heard about some issues. Were you were you caught well, up in that as well? I, <laughs> I have to admit it was actually Peabody that I was accepted oh. to. <laughs> okay. So
1: I don't know how that works that the athletes, you know, that struggle with their, you know, SAT yeah. scores, they have a separate school to that where you can play advantage. I don't know if that's like, you know, if I'm gonna get caught up in that scandal everything, but I, I know my dad didn't
2: pay for that. Well listen, in the sixties things were very different. And, um, you know, they, they obviously I'm changed their admission standards. I'm not since that then. old. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, um we do uh we love the SEC and you've got some big roots in the SEC. I mean yeah. I was reading about your dad. Yeah. And I was amazed that just what he's accomplished and I would love to hear a little bit um from you because he was a commissioner of the SEC. Yeah. at some point in time, and um, just an unbelievable career in sports and being a, a Navy combat pilot. Air Force. It's a great offense. I'm sorry. Yeah, umbrage to the Navy I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I, I have two kids in the military, and I still haven't gotten it right. But, uh, <laughs> yes, he was Air Force,
2: and now he's a Brigadier General. Is that correct? Yeah, so my dad actually has he, – he's got – and I'm biased when I say this. He probably has the greatest resume, if you look yeah. at it on paper, of, of perhaps anybody out there um he was a career military guy he was 23 years in the air force uh flew in vietnam uh ultimately got his phd at the university of michigan which is where i was born he met my mom at at the university of michigan it's a great story there we won't go into it but he was actually a uh my mom's teacher for a class he was he was getting his chemistry phd and was my mom's teacher but anyway they ended up getting married we the um i was born in ann arbor we moved around a lot as a result of him being in the military. He ultimately um, settled in at the Air Force Academy because he became um, a chemistry professor and ultimately a, um, the head of the chemistry department there. And like a lot of colleges, universities, including the Air Force Academy or other ad- academies, um, they have faculty representatives that are from the faculty that, that represent Um, the faculty issues or the faculty thoughts into the athletic department. And so my dad became the faculty representative to the athletic department there. And that was his first real um, beginnings in working in sports. And then this is going way back, of course, but um, uh, Colorado Springs, which is where the Air Force Academy is headquartered, uh, is also the home to the United States Olympic Committee. And in 1978, the U.S. Olympic Committee decided to have its very first Olympic sports festival, and they did so on the grounds of the Air Force Academy. And since my dad was affiliated with the athletic department there, he helped run that. And so, 78 was really a big turning moment, if you will, in in his career uh, in sports. It grew from there, um, you know, skipped through a bunch of things, but he ultimately ran the boxing venue for the 1984 uh, Olympic games. I was 14 years old. I moved out there with them for the summer. We lived in Marina del Rey. And I remember we, I went to every single boxing match in the 1984 Olympic games. I saw, I think it was like 360 or something like that, boxing matches. Um, but that was as a 14 year old, you know, I'm starting to get into my formative years. I'm starting to get immersed into sports, not even really realizing it. Right. I, at that point in time, I had no real ambitions to work in, in sports. He then, fast forwarding a little bit more, he then uh, became commissioner of the Southeastern Conference, and that was the point in time where he exited the military, retired um, from the Air Force, and I was a junior, or actually beginning my junior year of high school, we moved from Colorado Springs, Colorado, to Birmingham, Alabama, and that was where the commissioner's office was headquartered, actually still is. And so he was the SEC commissioner, actually led the the expansion of the SEC at that point in time, uh, expanded them, did a bunch of TV contracts. And again, all this while I'm around sports, meeting all sorts of different people, having all sorts of different interactions. You know, at that time, we'd get a regular call from Dale Brown, um, <laughs> who is, you know, coach at LSU oh, yeah. uh, basketball. He'd call all the time. I need to talk to your dad, Derek. Uh, I got to talk about the about the referees again. So you know, he'd call us at home all the time, uh, uh, talking about referees and other things. But him, him and Wimp. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Exactly. Some so characters. So you know, I I I was in um, uh, Birmingham at that point in time. Ultimately, went to Vanderbilt University, and I was thinking, um, I'm I'm gonna go do what I wanted to do, and at that time. Um, I I decided I was going to become an engineer. I didn't know why. I, I I just decided it was a really hard degree, and I wanted to challenge myself. And I tried, you know, what's like the hardest degree at Vanderbilt University, and at least in my view, it was it was an engineering degree. So I went and got an engineering degree, and I'm a failed engineer working in sports now. <laughs> Are we trying to prove something there. I uh, you know what? Uh, if we w- if this turns into a couch instead of a chair, <laughs> we can really start to talk right, about we, that. We won't go there. Then. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well in, in being around your dad in that environment and working in sports what what were some of the biggest things you picked up along the way either consciously or sort of just by osmosis about work ethic and working in sports
2: so the number one thing certainly work ethic is a big thing and obviously my dad being in the military it like, was ingrained in me to work hard and and you know succeed and you know I'm uh, I'm I'm a way uh, overachiever if you will in that regard um I would say, though, the biggest lesson that I've learned from my dad, and, and he's still much, much better at it today than, than I ever will be, is relationships. And like a lot of businesses, relationships governs the world of sports. You know, there's, you know, in, in my role, as well as a lot of the front office roles, it's, it's very much of a, of a fraternal type of feel. You, you know, having relationships with other sports teams is important and then certainly having relationships with um, business uh, leaders is very important. Um, having relationships with the fans, but, but just those one-on-one relationships. Uh, I often um, was amazed, marveled at my dad's Rolodex. I can hopefully still use that term, you know. <laughs> if I use the term Rolodex, some, some young, younger people may not realize what I'm actually talking about, but he, he had one of the greatest Rolodexes in all of business, and, and still to this day does. Um. Uh, uh, it just he he was the kind of guy that and still is is always connecting people and connecting himself into situations and and that's something that I think no matter the business whether it's sports or otherwise I think there's a lot to be learned from that
1: well that's good I mean you can have a Rolodex but whether people return your calls <laughs> gonna be based on you know what kind of person you are so Perhaps, obviously yeah. you know he and I know Mike Plant talks very highly of him yeah. when um, about how his role getting here to the Braves and everything through the whole, um, you know, with Ted. He was with Turner Sports right. and all that kind of stuff. So my, I, Mike and
2: I have, a, you know, an interesting relationship that some people may not know this, but um, Mike was, was close to my dad well before Mike and I got close. In fact, Mike was in my dad, or my dad, rather, was in Mike's wedding um, really? and, and was that. the best man oh, in really? Mike's wedding. Wow! And And so, you know, I was still you know a a teenager getting into my maybe late teen years when when i met mike um and we started to develop good relationship as a result of of how he met and knew my dad mike from the olympic days and his his role first in speed skating and then and then somewhat in in cycling not somewhat very much what in in cycling and um so i i got to know mike through that and uh and we came to the Braves at the exact moment in time together. We were a package deal, if you will.
1: Yeah, that's good. Well, I want to read just, uh, um, just a little bit about your history of how you got to where you are today. Just a, a couple things, because you you have uh, an, a really interesting resume as well, because you've worked in multiple sports, and so you followed a little bit in the footpaths of your dad. But like I said, you, you started at Vanderbilt, and then with your in- engineering degree, then you end up with the Olympics in '96. And um, you worked on the International Sports Plaza. Uh, you were the director of that, and then you went to VP of Business Development for the Yankees, and then VP of Sales for the Thrashers, and then uh, then you started sales VP of Sales and Marketing with the Braves, and um, and we know now you're President and CEO. But you also, I mean, you're on boards, uh, Atlanta Chamber, of Commerce, uh, you know, CVB. You've got multiple foundations, mm-hmm. so you do a lot of different things, and and you've you've seen a lot of different sports so I, one of the questions i had is just that how how does it baseball compare to some of the other things that you worked in especially you know the olympics is very different mm-hmm. and then you were in professional hockey and now baseball so out of all that experience how would you relate uh, what you do now you know with the not necessarily your role but how would you relate the industry compared to some of the other ones that you were in?
2: so i i did um help start and run the uh Atlanta Thrashers here in town, i I'll start with kind of equating it to that because I think it's actually a good way to give the analogy and the answer to your question. So I grew up uh, first of all a, a hockey player. I, I'm, you know that was the sport that I was closest to, as at, at least playing. Um, I played club hockey at Vanderbilt. It's not like a super high level, but I still, you know, I even played it as a, as an adult until um, I realized that that I was probably going to hurt myself too bad trying to keep up with uh, with everybody else. Uh, But in hockey, and I love the sport of hockey, I love the NHL. um, When I first got the opportunity and and started working for the Braves, from the outside, even really working inside of of another sport, I didn't realize how big the world of baseball is. And what I mean by big, the the industry itself, the business side of, of baseball, is really gigantic. So there's a number of ways to articulate that. One of them is... Is there's 162 games. So the most obvious is there's a lot more games in baseball. But when you think about it from a business sense, what that also means is there's a lot more content. So um, relative to television, we have a lot more television broadcasts, a lot more radio broadcasts than any other sport. Uh, and how far that carries is a lot bigger than most, if not any other sport. So baseball is still a sport where most of the, uh, the team still runs most of the big decision-making of the sport. Um, So while the league does things like uh, licensing for merchandise, the national television contracts, the overarching marketing of the sport as a whole, the teams still do a really, really substantial amount of the business activity of our sport, which includes the negotiation of our television contracts is one example, but then also, you know, the marketing of this. And our territory uh, in the Braves is really substantial, especially if you compare it against other uh, teams, whether inside of baseball or, for that matter, in other sports. Our, our geographic marketing territory is, in effect, the largest marketing territory in all of sports. We have about six, almost seven states that we market ourselves to. And so there's a, there's a you know, a, just by the very nature of the geography of it, there is, you know, a, a bigger element to this. And then um, the fan base, and I think this is particularly true of of the Atlanta Braves, mostly because of Ted Turner uh, and his decision, their decision as a company to ultimately beam the Braves games up onto a satellite and thereby create TBS and thereby have all the Braves games not only to that marketing territory, but back then there were not those geographic marketing territory restrictions. And so Braves games... We're in the homes of most of the United States. In fact, Canada, Puerto Rico, other places, Braves games could be found. And and really the size and scope of it is is partly driven by what those decisions were. And I, along with our staff, are really just trying to keep up with that and manage that, work with our fans the best that we can and try to grow that business and bring the Braves um, in the best possible way to all those people.
0: Well, in, in my job, I'm, my biggest concerns in a typical day are trying to write a funny tweet, <laughs> trying to pick the right <laughs> Freddie Freeman gif, uh, trying to make a meme out of Ozzy and, and Ronald Acuna. So for somebody like me or a casual fan that, that knows you're the president and CEO of the Atlanta Braves but maybe doesn't know, because you know, I can't even fathom the amount of things you're looking at or having to manage on a day-to-day basis, just what are, what are your day-to-day and your, your overarching responsibilities as president and CEO?
2: Well, first, a little bit of definition about our, our business, our organization. If you include all of our full-time employees, we're about 500 people in our organization. That includes everything from the people that are located here in Atlanta, um, our business side, as well as our baseball side, to, you know, We own and operate um, most of our minor league teams, so our AAA, A, AA, single A, uh, et cetera. And we now have a, a, a facility that we're opening up you know, in Sarasota which will be in full operation in uh, 2020. But um, with all those things, we have about 500 people um, that, that there are to manage. In addition on a game day staff, which is really, I think maybe the lifeblood and the energy and the nerve center of the Braves, um, we have thousands more. And by the time you add up, not only the tickets and the ushers, ticket takers, ushers, security personnel, parking people, even concessionaire, which, you know, is, is a little bit of an arms length distance between us and Delaware North, but still representative of the Braves. There's 2,500, 3,000-plus additional people. So those are the people that really have the closest interaction, the daily interaction, especially on Braves game days, with with our fans. So it, the, Where I'm getting to is the number one part of this job is the management of, of people and, and making sure that we're giving all the right resources to our people um, uh, making sure that they're you know in in a position to succeed in whatever their job responsibilities are Uh, and trying to at times motivate and at times maybe have a little bit of a kick here or two um, but doing our best to try to set the course of the strategy for the organization communicate that articulate that and then uh, try to deliver upon that each and every day our our mission is really simple, and it's probably more simple than most other um, businesses. Our mission and our goal, and our goal never changes. It's the same goal each and every year. It's to win the World Series. And so last year we came up short. Now, good news is we, we made it to the playoffs. We made it to the postseason. We were NL East division champions, and that was something that we can all be proud of. But fact of the matter is we ended our season with a loss. And so until we end our season with a win – we're going to be continuing to chase that down. And, Greg, obviously you know what that feels like, right, to, to have that happen. That's the feeling that each of us – this is the reason why we work for this organization is we all want to have that feeling. Now, none of us, including myself, can, you know, throw a ball 95 miles an hour or, or hit a fastball or a curve or, you know, do these great plays and athletic feats that we see our, our Braves players do. But we do have a very specific role that helps them with that. And sometimes that role is, you know, indirect. In my case, it's very indirect, right? It's trying to build this business as, as best as it can, bring it to the, the fans, you know, have the best possible experience, and then give those uh, players the best possible chance for success uh, and, and work with Alex in, in, in so doing. So that's a large part of the job. Uh, you know, outside of that, there's meetings with lots of different people. I, I spend my day in, in lots of me- meetings, which, you know, sometimes is fun and sometimes gets a little tedious. Yeah. Um, you know, today, as an example, speaking of television, we met with our, our television rights holders again and talked a little bit about our season and some of the things that are going on there. Um, there's a lot of that kind of thing. And, and and then also, it's it's working with with some of the great staff that we have, back to that, and, and trying to do innovative things for our business. You know, believe it or not, even though the game of baseball hasn't changed all that much, on the business side it has. It's developed significantly in the past five, 10 years. And in fact, if you were to look at the complexion of those full-time people that we have, if you were to go back five years, 10 years ago, um, first of all, the staff has grown quite a bit, but the, um, the, the aptitude and the types of, of skill sets that we have amongst our staff is significantly different. Um, just by one example, we have a we have a department that's called business intelligence. I know, don't, don't make any fun about this, but but uh, <laughs> we have a, the, the, All they do all day long is is work on analyzing numbers, statistics, information to help us make better decisions in all different types of of, of parts of our of our world.
1: Well, you know, <clears throat> I think it's it's really fascinating. Now being involved in the business side for about ten years now, we're still competitive. I mean, you were competitive as an athlete, I was competitive as an athlete, but that doesn't go away. Yeah, We, we want to be known as the best. You know, we, we sure. take a lot of pride in what we've done on the field, but we also take a lot of pride in what we've done off the field. And I think about just the word innovation. I think about what we've done here as an organization. And I wanted you to talk about this because we've just gone through a huge transformation as an organization from where we were five years ago at Turner Field and what the landscape looked like for our organization compared to here we are three years at SunTrust Park and have something that n- nobody else has. And that's the the battery, that's the, the stadium, and that's all the things that came along with it. You were a part of that whole process, and you were part of the very beginning where you were looking out into the crystal ball of what this thing would look like. So here we are going into our third year. Is it still amaze you is it exactly what you dreamt of or or is there is there what's been the biggest biggest well, thing about that
2: every day i walk out into the battery and i'm i'm i sometimes you know coin the phrase whatever uh um, you know pinch yourself about about what it is that we've achieved and it took a lot of people so it's not just me but you know i've worked very closely with mike plant and uh with greg heller and chip moore and terry mcgurk and others um Setting out on the vision for this, and and you mentioned the word innovation. Innovation, some people maybe only think about technology as as something that could be innovative. The innovation and the biggest thing that we've innovated as a business is is certainly building a sports venue and master planning it at the same time building a mixed-use development. And that innovation is for a number of different reasons the first and primary is that we knew that it was going to result in a better experience for our fans so when they're coming here on game days uh, there's something to do before and after the games it's an enjoyable place there's restaurants there's bars there's activities you can live here you can there's hotels here there's you know office place you can work here et etc um, that is is an innovative um, idea if you will for world of sports. In most cases, sports venues were built either in existing developments or there were developers that would come in after the fact and redevelop some of the areas immediately in the, around there and take that vicinity. And the problem with that is that it inured to the benefit of the developer, not to the team. So w- when we did this, part of the reason and the justification behind this was that we wanted that to inure to the benefit of the team, ultimately creating another diverse revenue stream for us that we could pour back into the team. So one way to look at um, our investment into the battery and why we did it is it creates a revenue stream for our business. Uh, That is already uh, proven to be true and very fruitful for us. We're continuing to invest um, some substantial capital into other parts of the battery and adjacent um, real estate that we have. And we'll continue to develop that uh, until it's at the right density, we're getting close as far as you know what we've got on the map, uh, and and that will for the long term help the Atlanta Braves, whoever's sitting in this chair or other chairs, make sure that this team can be successful for the long term. Uh, it's that's innovative, and and that's something that it's in fact so much so that we've had probably about a hundred sports teams from all across the globe come and visit us, um, whether. You're coming from you know other baseball teams looking at this model or other sports or even um, places as far and wide as China and Australia. People have come here and looked at this approach and, and seen how impactful and, and um, uh, how successful it can be.
0: Yeah, I, I go back to the, the inaugural season here in 2017. On game days, I'm in the press box. So the Rangers were in town, and a couple of the Rangers beat writers were – just having a discussion, uh, a surprisingly PG discussion for a press box, actually. <laughs> um, but they were talking about they had just gone out and walked around the battery for the first time. And one of them made the remark that, you know, if the Rangers pull off anything that's half of what they've got here, it's going to be something really special. And that was one of those, those statements that from the first season that really stuck with me because it was more affirmation of, what you guys have built here, and I, I was curious about that. If, if some of the if the Rangers specifically, or if other teams from other leagues yeah. had checked it out. So actually,
2: actually, the Rangers were some of the first that came here, and and I think they're the the first new sports facility that will have been built since this one, if I'm not mistaken. Certainly in baseball, and they are employing some of the same approaches. Uh, a little bit different um, in some of theirs, um, but. Overall, they're trying to make sure that there's a mixed-use development coupled with their new ballpark. Um, they de-risked it just a little bit by having a, a, a partner do a, a pretty substantial part of that. Regardless, they have an investment in that, and they're they're creating this new experiential offering that will be in combination with their new ballpark, which opens soon. Yeah.
1: Well, <clears throat> you've uh, been very gracious with your time. I do want to ask you, one more thing before you go, and you know, as as athletes, and then you know, you're you're president of the Braves. We have uh, all of our fans out there. We got fans from behind the Braves. We got fans out there that come to the ball games, and they always have an opinion, right? We monitor. We got our yeah. social media group here with us, and they're always monitoring it. And um, but you know, they, the fans have been a little frustrated about they yeah. don't think that we have um, done things that we should have done. Which is, I mean, you can't, you know, you can't ever please everybody all the time but we do always want to try to address things and so I just curious your perspective on what we've done as an organization Mm -hmm. to get better this off season and um, and you know address maybe the frustration that you think the fans may have
2: I'll go back to an earlier statement so the the first thing that I would say to any fan listening um, that might Question us and, and some of what we're doing is remember what our goal is and I assure you if you ask any single person at the Braves what you're trying to do we're trying to win the World Series okay so we're hopefully representing what that what the fan really wants in that uh, how we go about doing it may not always agree with a you know a, a fan or, or you know one individual and what they might think we ought to do somebody may think we might ought to get this particular player or that particular player spend more whatever. Um, the fact of the matter is we have more resources today than we did yesterday. We have the desire and the wherewithal to spend those when Alex Anthopoulos and his team wants to do so with the players that they want to try to get. And it's in their discretion. And, you know, as we go from 2018 to 2019, the reminder is that we have improved. We did win the NL East, um, The NL East is chasing us, not the other way around. There have been a lot of moves that were made in the NL East in particular. Um, But I I like our team a lot. And I don't think it's always – you should not necessarily judge the team based solely on what the player payroll is. Because if that were the case, every year the team with the highest player payroll would win the World Series. And that's just not the case. That's not the case at all um if, if we we have a great team it happens to be pretty young uh in particular on the on the pitching side there's a lot of young pitchers that are there that are coming along but also even some of these great position players that are coming up i mean you know some of the stuff that Ronald Acuña is doing and Ozzy Albies and Dansby Swanson etc you know you could go down the list right uh i like where we are a lot and um i'm ready to win the world series That's
0: great. well and, and again thank you for your time and la- last thing for me uh Talking about Alex, and I know you said you're sort of indirectly tied to to that side of you know the baseball upside side, but I am curious, like how yeah. much you and Alex are do talk and how your interactions go.
2: We talk a lot, um, almost daily. Uh, we spend a lot of time um, talking about how to position certain things. Um, he's you know relatively new to this marketplace, so uh, I've been in the marketplace for a long time. So some of what we talk about is. You know, he wants to understand the market a lot better, wants to understand the fan base a lot better. Um, and that's I try to help him as best I can from my vantage point to do that. Um, I, I also try to work with the budgets with him and do as best I can to, to showcase, you know, how he can, when he can do the types of things. Ultimately, Terry McGurk, our, our, both our respective bosses, is, is responsible for that. But I can tell you, again, he has the wherewithal to go out and do it. Um, one of the things that, that just as a, a further reflection, though, on Alex, is he's a really open and and um, he's, he's somebody who communicates really effectively. Uh, I think one of the things that's occurred here is that he's brought in this fresh perspective on how to communicate in sometimes a part of the organization that you have to be um, a little bit guarded on. You know, you don't always want to tell anybody inside or outside what you're thinking, where you might go, because the competitive advantage might be lost in so doing. Uh, but he's done a really good job of still keeping that, that level of, of uh, confidentiality that's necessary in order to protect his job, but still communicating really well. Uh, I like the way that he's built his side of the organization uh, the, the, the analytics side, speaking of, of that has, has been really good. And again, it goes back to the communication. It's, it's not just good enough to have the analytics and the data and all that kind of stuff. You've got to have an ability to communicate that to the people that can enact that and turn that into results. And I think that's where he succeeds where uh, others may not.
1: That's great. Well, thanks for coming by. This has been fun. We'd love to have you on again. And there's a million more questions we'd love to ask you. And, and uh, hopefully we can do that in the future. Well, well,
2: this is my, you know, first time really being officially allowed in the alumni lounge. You're going to let me back here? Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. I know. I it think will. you're
2: if it, it, without anybody else, I think you're sort of the de facto <laughs> manager of the alumni <laughs> lounge. So yeah, you I've, maybe I've, have.
1: I've picked up some trash in here before. And <laughs> <laughs> make sure the fridge is stocked. I think you're the
2: one with the keys. I did, I've never been able to open this door, well, so maybe I
1: got to ask you. You're welcome anytime. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> I appreciate it, guys. All right, you have Thank a good day. Thanks for
2: having me.
0: Our thanks to Braves president and CEO Derek Schiller for joining us here on Behind the Braves. That's any uh, anytime you get to, to speak with, with one of our our leaders or any member of the leadership team here, that's, that's quite a treat for us, and
1: hopefully I would think that it's a, a treat for all the folks listening out there as well. Yeah, it's always good to hear from the guy who's kind of steering the ship and uh, get an understanding and about what's going on internally as an organization, because that ultimately dictates what goes on the field. Because you know, there's everything that we do inside here is, is still you know that's the decisions are made at the top, whether it's players, whether it's you know payroll, whether it's um, you know anything that you see around the stadium. You know, it's it's coming from from uh, you know he's responsible for it. So it's great to hear his perspective on it, and uh, hopefully everyone enjoyed getting to know Derek a little bit more. He's got a fascinating story and family, and, and uh, it was great to hear.
0: You know, as I was walking over here to the lounge today, it's this is one of my favorite times of year because all the the folks are around the stadium here, and they're like, you know, their folks were there. They actually gave me a couple bottled waters. They're getting the concession stands all cleaned up and organized. Um, all the little things that are, have to be prepared in the stadium for a new season are being done. Uh, and it's just baseball's back. Right, baseball's back. April's full of exciting promos at SunTrust Park. Ronald Acuna shined his first season last year. If you hadn't heard, which I don't know if you had to have been a, under a rock if you're a baseball fan <laughs> didn't hear about what he did because he was the 2018 Rookie of the Year. Uh, to celebrate that, Braves or the Braves are giving fans a collectible limited edition coin through a specialty ticket package on April 3rd and on April 12th. And Greg, I know you're going to like this. Winter is coming. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Take your seat on the Iron Throne, April twelfth, when your Atlanta Braves host Game of Thrones Night. Uh, to see a full list of promotions this April, head to Braves.com/promos. Atlanta Braves baseball, chop on. All right, so Game of Thrones Night. I think it's. I think there's a chipper tie in there. I think oh, it's really? like Game of Jones. I think that's oh, what I think I like a tie that. in there, yeah. As far as like bobblehead
1: or something? Or I don't what? know if
0: it's a bobblehead. It might be a shirt. Then oh, okay. a shirt. Yeah. Head to, well if you go to Braves dot com slash promos, you can find out the of the, the proper details on yeah. that. You don't have to rely on me and Greg to pass it. Well, it's a pretty you.
1: cool show. Um I'm a fan and they're getting ready to kick off in April here. Kick off the final season. Should be exciting. So it's only um, I guess it's only appropriate that we have we have it here at the ballpark and and have everybody come out should be a lot of fun,
0: yeah, I'm notorious for. I have not watched one episode of Game of Thrones, but I'm. It's one of those ones that I am notorious for not even ever watching a show while it's on. Oh. and
1: then I so you can binge it. I
0: binge it. it. <laughs> Breaking Bad. Hey. It was like three oh years gosh. after the show ended, and I spent maybe a week and a half where I just did nothing
1: but sleep, eat, and then watch Breaking Bad. Well, thank yeah. God for DVR. I mean, I, I don't like. I mean, I can't stand commercials, and I would. Lo- I love to be able to watch at least tape half the show. And then when it's being taped, then start watching it so you can – by the time you skim through all the commercials, you know, the show's already been taped and you can do it. I'm with you on that. I love that. You know, Ben, I, ben the binge-watching thing, man, that, that's like detrimental to your health. Yes, I can confirm, yes. but <laughs> I, mean, I, <laughs> I do it anyways. I do I, it anyways. I, I mean, I've done it too. It's just I don't feel very good afterwards. It's kind of like going to Crystal and eating the bag, the bag <laughs> of crystals. I mean, binge watching and binge eating, from to me, are like right. They're yeah. kind of the same. You feel well, you feel horrible after both of them. I will say, once I've sat there with binge watching,
0: and it's I look at the clock and it's four o'clock in the morning. I'm like, <sighs> could I, I get one more bed. episode in <laughs> before I go to bed? So it's probably going to be in Game, me in Game of Thrones at some point because yeah. you said there's the final season coming up, right? Yeah, this uh, is the final season. All right, well then,
1: sometime around I mean, this time next year, I'll watch. I'll start watching. Well, I mean, think about it. you got dragons, you got knights, hmm. you got damsels. I mean, you got uh, you got you got everything going on in there, and it's just uh, you got some magicians, and ah, you've cool. got frozen, <laughs> you got frozen things, and you got nice. hot things, and. And there's uh, there's just a lot a lot there that's uh, made it very very interesting
0: show. I wonder if Josh Donaldson is a Game of Thrones guy because when he had, we had him here on Behind the Braves, which is, if you haven't heard that, we had him you know a few months back, and he talked a lot about you know, the show Vikings and yeah his interest in that. It seems like something. I might would be up his say alley.
1: yeah, and the Fortnite guys that play Fortnite and yeah. all that. I think that's probably right up there right up their alley. So I would not be surprised because yeah, Vikings is I mean that's just quality show and Game of Thrones is very similar to that. It's it's a little bit more mythical. Okay. I mean it's more mythical as opposed to Vikings is is more of a historical thing even though I'm sure it's an adaptation of some history, but it's more historical, but it's um they're they're in the same they're similar lanes. Okay. All right. Do you all right, let's see. Do you still
0: have you still have one one kid in the house, right? Still yes. one each, Okay. Mm-hmm. So a 13 year old. 13 year old. Okay. So spring break, when is spring break? It's coming up, right?
1: coming up pretty soon yeah well my my son who's in college is on spring break right now but okay. then my 13 year i think it's next month so it'll be in april okay perfect so opening
0: week at suntrust park is also spring break throughout metro atlanta so what better way to enjoy a week off school than to celebrate the start of the braves baseball season i i will say i know that when i would have spring break back in virginia where i was growing up i was always envious of the folks down and lived a little closer or could could uh, to come to the Braves game, so that's and I'd been in school and had had the had the ability or had been a little closer. That's absolutely how I would have spent my my spring break back in the day. And listen, the Braves have something fun planned almost every day of the week, including a pregame parade on April 4th, uh, early gate opening for a batting practice on April 6th. Definitely don't want to miss that. Come watch the Braves uh, take a little BP. I uh, hear Ronald Acuna puts on uh, puts on quite a show in BP and. I'm curious to watch Donaldson uh, and BP I think he's going to gonna be right there with He him. is. He's got some <laughs> aggressive swings I'm looking forward to. So, get out here April 6th. Uh, come watch the Braves take BP. And also an exclusive red Freddie Freeman jersey giveaway for kids on April 7th. I personally, and I'm not just saying this because I work here, I honestly do love the red jerseys. I was kind of sad when they went away a few years ago, and I love that they're back. And we're doing the whole, like, Friday night red out thing mm-hmm. in the stadium. So, not only the players wearing red but everybody that comes out to Suntrust Park wear red wear your your jersey your jersey your red Braves hats I am definitely a uh I've got multiple Braves hats but my main ones that I wear are the the red with the navy uh, navy A on them uh, so okay. so Good. I'm I'm definitely a uh, a red red out guy red jersey guy
1: Well I won't be doing anything different than I've done since high school high school spring break we always went and played for a week down in Florida so I'm Still watching baseball games and and being a part of baseball since I've been in high school, I think spring break. That's what you know. I never took off and went to the beach or anything like that. We we played baseball spring during spring break. Spring break, so that's what I think about.
0: Nice, very nice. Well, it's 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 just exciting that the season's finally here. We've had such a fun off season on behind the Braves. It's been great that you know this is our first first go around with this first first six months or so of doing this and. To see that you guys are still out there, still reviewing, still rating, still listening, still giving us the, all the feedback throughout the off season when you know when we're not playing baseball, has been really, really. It's been it's been great for yeah. us. It's been great to see that that this is something that that uh, hopefully keeps you we keep engaged with each other through throughout the season. Yeah. You know, throughout the year, I should say. I mean, uh, you think about some of the things we've done this off season with behind the Braves, Hank Aaron and Marquise Grissom for, for black history month, uh, going to Greg Maddox's house at the winter meetings. Um, Jeff Francoeur, fresh off, you know, fresh off after being announced as the new, you know, the new main analyst in the the TV booth, uh, you know, having McCann and Brian McCann and Josh Donaldson right after they'd signed to, to come here. It's been an incredible off season. I'm really, really looking forward to seeing, you know, especially as we kind of go back to mostly every week throughout the season, seeing the, Seeing what else we're gonna, how we're gonna keep building this thing throughout the season.
1: Well, thankfully we have a very rich organization of Hall of Famers and and All Stars and Braves Hall of Famers, and we've got all kinds of guys that I think hopefully we can show just a very good picture of this organization inside and out. And get the fans excited about you know what we what we know to be true, what we see on a daily basis. They can hear from these people, and, and I think we were talking about this earlier is that build some stories with these guys who we we get to spend more than just one episode with them. But hopefully we'll start meeting some of the players, and we've already had like I said Brian and Josh on, and and we had Snit on. We'll start we'll start having those guys here and uh, getting to hear some stories that are going on during the season which should be a lot of fun absolutely absolutely and hey and if you haven't checked out
0: uh the youtube the braves youtube page this is something we've started doing here recently the great folks at braves vision who which those they've got quite a crew there we love working with those guys Uh, they've started filming these and we're putting them on youtube now so you know in addition to, to, to listening if you if you want to Look at us. You can just block the part of the screen that I'm on if you want. Uh, I think most of the time the camera, you know, pans over to the guests, so you know you can av- don't have to avert your eyes too much. But yeah, de- definitely check us out on on YouTube. It's uh, you get to see the lounge. We're always talking about how proud we are of this uh, yeah. this lounge and how great it is. So you get to get to check it out a little That's bit. Right. So yeah, we we really appreciate it, and uh, we're looking forward to uh, to a great season of Braves baseball and and a great. First full season of Behind the Braves with Braves Baseball. And we know
1: they know that we're going to start every week. Yeah, yeah, we're going back to –
0: after you hear this episode, we're coming back each week, and uh, we can't be more excited. So, for Greg McMichael, I'm Ricky Mast, and we'll see you next time on Behind the Braves.